the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. Please like the podcast and subscribe to this channel. Thank you. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again? How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes is out now. Hi, my name is Nigel Beckles. My new book is packed with practical and common sense strategies that you can use to make better relationship choices. Now you can discover the dangerous myths about love. If your relationship expectations are realistic, why you could be falling in love for all the wrong reasons. How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes. It's a book that could change your life. Available from www.relationshipmistakesbook.com and amazon.co.uk. Kindle version also available. Award-winning author Pamela R. Haynes. Her latest book, Loving the Brothers, is available from Amazon and all good bookstores now. Nominated in the Best Writer category by the BLAC Awards for 2020. Loving the Brothers by author Pamela R. Haynes. Order your copy of a fantastic book now. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. My guest for this episode is a historian, author and supporting actor who has worked with some of the biggest stars in Hollywood, Sylvester Boyd Jr. Hi Sylvester, welcome to my podcast series. How are you? I'm fine, Nadja. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. Where are you based? I understand you live in America. Yes, I live in Chicago, Illinois, US of A. And how is it there? How do you find it? Oh, I, I, well, I've been out here off and on all of my life. Uh, I did uh, go through high school in Michigan, uh, state just above us. And, uh, but off and on, I've been in Chicago all of my life. And I find it to be a, a thriving metropolitan area. And, uh, you know, it's a city people say Al Capone came from here. And we hear all the bad things about our town. But uh, we're, on the, we're on a beautiful lake, Lake Michigan. And uh, we, it's a beautiful city, and it's one of the world's uh, major cities. So I find it to be good. It's a lot of things that are very interesting and very good uh, to, to be here in the city. And, and the people are not all backwards or not all criminals, and we're not all Al Capone. Uh, we're, it's a good town. It's a good town, but we always, as usual, hear just the bad about a town and not the good things. I'm sure you have that, maybe that same thing happening in your neck of the woods. Oh, in the UK, most definitely. Well, you've had many different roles during your time, one of them being a historian. When and why did you develop an interest in history? I developed a history at a young age. I always wanted to know uh, what was uh, before me. Uh, my, my interest started with my grandmother. My grandmother, uh, you know, she was uh, born way back in, well, maybe uh, not too long after the Civil War. You know, I mean, there was just a couple of decades between her and the Civil War. But uh, she used to tell me about her history and how people, uh, her people came from where they came from and and why things were the way they were. And there was a, you know, just a big interest in learning what people and why people did things, where they lived uh, and how they lived and why things happened the way they happened. So that took me into history. Junior college and college years and university years, I I dove more deeply into history and found it to be one of the most fascinating subjects uh, that one could study. Well, one of my favorite subjects as well is is history. Have you studied any specific period of history? Uh, I'm a, a military historian. Uh, uh, really a, a lot of uh, 
the wars that have been fought. And then I got into the reason wars. Why do people get into wars? And and what is the results of wars? And I, I come up with one simple thing. The results of wars, all human conflicts, are is uh, dead people and destroyed property. That's what you get from fighting wars. Uh, uh, you may learn something, but we usually go revert back to what caused the war in the first place. So history repeats. And uh, that's fascinating how history, if you listen, old ancient history and modern history, if you look for it, further into it and find deep into it, you'll find that uh, it repeats. We just make the same mistakes over as human beings. Well, the era that I like to study is the civil rights era back in the 60s, 50s and 60s. I find that fascinating with uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and the Kennedy brothers. And I find the whole era just fascinating. I have several books on on the subject. So you're also an author talking about books. Why were you inspired to become involved with writing a, a book or books if you've written more than one? I have written more than one. Matter of fact, I'm finishing up my third book at the present, uh, which should be out around September. Basically, uh, you know, writing, uh, I go back to uh, my grandmother. Uh, she made me interested in history. And uh, I had a, it was a family story to be told there. And if I don't tell it, who nobody else in the family was telling that story. And uh, so I figured I would be the one uh, uh, after my aunt and grandmother passed away. I figured uh, maybe I should put put pen to paper and tell the story, uh, which uh, I had no experience in writing, except in college. And we had to do English and uh, we had to do some other writings, but uh, nothing formal. And I said, well, let's just charge ahead and let's get it done. And that's always been sort of my background. I just charge ahead and get it done. Uh, I'll, I'll encounter problems along the way, but uh, I'm sure most times when there's a problem, there's always a solution somewhere if you look for it. So what were your previous books about? Uh, my book, uh, well, there's three books. It's a trilogy, and I'm finishing up a trilogy at the present. Uh, basically, it's about my aunt. She was born in Money, Mississippi. I don't know if you uh, know anything about Money, Mississippi, but that's a historical place. Emmett Till, was, uh, he was murdered by some uh, white racists in the South in 90, the year 1955. His body was thrown in the Tallahatchie River, was mutilated, and that kicked off the civil rights movement. Uh, if, you, if you go back in history, you'll find that Martin Luther King kind of came out of that era. That's when the civil rights in America started. And uh, my folks were from the town that sort of ignited the whole civil rights movement in the, uh, in the early uh, uh, 50s, mid-50s or so. Hmm. So Emmett Till, he was a young boy, wasn't he, about 14 years old, and he whistled at a white lady? Is that correct. the story? Yes. That is correct. And that's correct. And uh, my folks were uh, uh, from the town that all of that happened in. Uh, then, the, uh, you know, then that from that that we got Martin Luther King and uh, we got the, uh, you know, the, the boycotts and the sit-ins and the demonstration during the, uh, the civil rights period. But that sort of was the match that lit the fuse that uh, kind of ignited the, uh, the uh, civil rights movement in, in, in the south of America. So the book you're working on at present or just finishing up, what is that about? Uh, that's about my aunt. She started as a sharecropper, and I, I don't know whether you're familiar with sharecropping, but it's a system of basically after slavery, blacks were put in a position in the United States that they uh, would work on the land that was owned by white farmers 
and they then were uh, given all their provision from the provided by the farmer, the land, he had maybe a general store, and you get all your provisions. At the end of the year, you would have worked all of the year picking cotton and uh, found that uh, you didn't have too much money left but to start all over. So it was sort of a, a uh, I still call it a slavery kind of ending, but not really ending in the system. The system stayed in place to make uh, the South uh, very wealthy at the hands of free labor uh, by uh, minorities, uh, African-Americans here. Uh, my aunt started there. She she fought to get, she was eight. Uh, she was uh, very old when she finished high school uh, because the, you were deprived of an education in that system. And so you had to work in the fields in the, in the uh, most of the year, chopping cotton, planting cotton seed, blah, blah, blah. And uh, you, you only went to school part-time. So she was like, Eight, 17, 18 before she finished high school. I mean, uh, grammar school, excuse me, grammar school. And uh, she always had a, a thirst for knowledge. And so she, her, the book is based on her life story. To make a long story short, she went from that situation, dire situation. She was a millionaire when she died. She owned several apartment buildings in Chicago. So wow. it's a journey, it's a journey of her life from the cotton fields of Mississippi to the being a millionaire in Chicago. She traveled the world when she was 79 years old. She went to Vietnam and uh, Singapore and the, and the Middle East. She took several cruises. And her interest in travel inspired me to love travel. And also it influenced me to be a historian. And one of my major subjects, my minor was uh, geography. So history and geography are like twin sisters. You know, history is what happened. Geography is where it happened. So uh, they are like twin sisters when you study and uh, go down that path. Well, your aunt sounds like a fascinating lady. You're also involved in motivational speaking. What type of events do you speak at? I speak at churches. I've spoken college and university campuses. Just anywhere that people need to, to maybe have some of the knowledge that I feel that I can impart on them. Uh, knowledge is uh, n- nothing that you should keep. Knowledge should be given to others. Uh, I'll, I'll, it'll be a day that I won't be here, but I hope to have left a legacy behind me that I give the knowledge that I have to others, the generations to come. So what type of topics do you speak about? Uh, well, basically, uh, African, I know a lot about military history. I speak of uh, African-American history. I have a deep learning of that. But when I went to school and the professors that I had said, uh, you say you want to be a historian or you want to learn history, but uh, if you just study African-American history, you're not a historian. You have to know about the uh, uh, European history, uh, the history of uh, the Spanish-American history, the American Indian history, Indian history of period, and, and, and the Asian-American history. So I had to go into all the various forms of people on earth and, and, and study their history. And that's what I feel our children are missing. They are not informed about anything other than the history, maybe, of their culture. Uh, European history is wonderful, but it is only a part of history. Uh, to know history, you have to know European history, African American African history. Then it becomes a subset of uh, African American history because we Africans came from Africa, basically. And you have to know about the Indians and the Mexicans, and they all have contributed to the world. There's no group on earth that has not contributed to this planet. But uh, we are uh, a lot of times put into a category by color or by race or by gender or by wealth. 
those are the dividers. I call them the, the, the fault lines of, of, of human nature. Uh, they are all uh, the same all the time. It's about somebody being greedy, somebody seeing others as less than, than them. Those are the fault lines. And I, I'm probably going to write a book about our fault lines. We have the same fault lines all the time. They don't change. Uh, if you if you take uh, six to seven things, you can I can just about tell you what you feel and how you feel, uh, and uh, that is to me very important because respect is one of my favorite words. If you give respect uh, tomorrow, everybody had respect for, for their fellow man, a lot of our problems disappear magically. I understand you're also a movie and TV extra, which is somewhat diverse occupation. How did you become involved in that type of work? Well, you won't believe it. I was walking down the street one day and a gentleman says, hey, you look like somebody ought to be in one of our movies. And, you know, I'm thinking this guy's a kook, number one. <laughs> I mean, who comes up to me and says, uh, you want to be in a movie? You know, okay, you know, so this guy's a nut. But he gave me a paper and it had location. It looked legitimate. And the next day I really didn't have a lot to do. So I decided, well, what the heck, I got some time on my hands. Let me go. And it was way up on the North Shore of Chicago. And I said, well, it's going to cost me half a day, but I'll go and see what this is all about. So I went to a, a studio up on, the North Shore, up on the North Shore. And when I walked in the room, there were people of all ages, races, sizes, uh, you know, a lot of young people, a lot of old people, you know. And I said, oh, yeah, I got a good chance of doing this, you know. So, you know, I just kind of. <laughs> Told myself that this is not going to happen. I'm wasting part of my day. But I'm up here. I'll have lunch and go back home. To make a long story short, a week and a half later, the phone rang, and uh, they, it was a casting company. And they said, uh, are you Sylvester Boyd? I said, yes, I am. And they said, well, we, uh, the casting directors here would like to know if you'd like to appear in the movie Dilemma. Major motion picture. Vince Vaughn, Queen Latifah, uh, uh, Renona Ryder, Jennifer Connelly. Kevin James, big star, right off the bat. And we have cast you as a security guard at the United States here. And that's when my career started. I've done it for 10 years up until this recent pandemic. I just received the award. They had a local award here, and I was one of the first people to receive uh, a, mini, uh, a mini award, Academy Award here. So uh, I, was, uh, I was picked for the uh, background actor that was closest to the main actor. And uh, I can go on and I can tell you uh, a lot of main actors I've been right next to Wendell Pierce. I think I've done 250 TV broadcasts, 100 appearances, Empire. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yes, I'm familiar with Empire. Yeah, Empire. I've been on Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, uh, the motion picture, the dilemma. But Empire is is uh, one that I did a lot of work on. Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. That was one uh, that I did uh, called Crisis. That was a, a short-lived TV series and only lasted a, a year. Uh, I, I've done uh, a whole bunch of, with a whole bunch of actors. Uh, Vivica A. Fox. Um, maybe you heard of her. Mm, yes. Uh, so I've been uh, in, in movies with, uh, like I said, Renona Ryder, Kevin James. Just all the names don't come to me, but I mean, just big stars. I mean, it's a list of probably 50 major stars or more. I've been, and sometimes it's almost surreal that, you know, the people that I stand next to, I look at TV sometime and there I am. My wife says, oh, there you are on that. Very interesting. And I didn't, this was not a profession that I trained for at all. It just fell out of the sky. I guess it was God's will for me to, to do that. Do you actually act in these 
productions, these movie TV shows? Or, or, back, or are you there as a presence? Right, I'm there as a presence. Back, back. I always call them uh, background actors, uh, the scene and not scene. We're seen in a motion picture or a play or whatever it is, but we provide the reality in the background. Uh, if you had a movie with a major star in the front, at a they were at a baseball stadium and there was nobody in the stadium. That would look ridiculous. Train station, nobody in the train station looks ridiculous. They go out on a city busy city street and uh, there's nobody walking the street but them. It looks ridiculous. So we make it come alive. It's a it's a it's a profession. We don't talk. We do clap. We do yell and cheer, so we pantomime, so we do a lot of things. Yeah, I think in the UK we would call person who does that an extra. Well, we did that here for a number of years, but uh, that the background actors are signed to be more uh, resistant to that word extra. So it sounds like you're a piece of extra meat. They're kind of poo-pooing that now. They, mm. You know, it's a profession. It is, uh, you know, you go to work with the big people, the big shot. I mean, you stand in a, in, in, in a scene with the biggest stars in Hollywood, uh, you know, you're not extra there. You're probably pretty much essential in a, in, a, in a matter of speaking. So, Sylvester, what other interests do you have? Because you seem like quite a busy guy. Well, I'm in my 70s. I, you know, I'm not ashamed of my age. I think that I'm proud of my age. But uh, I've seen a lot, done a lot. I've traveled, trail world travel. I've been to Denmark and Norway and Honolulu and just uh, Jamaica, St. Thomas, St. Croix, Belize, Canada. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to be born to do the list of places I've been. So I've seen a lot of this big world. And travel is one of my big interests. I think I've taken about seven or eight tr- cruises. I was in Havana just before, on the 12th of, uh, on the 12th of uh, last year, uh, March 12th. And uh, the, the pandemic hit exactly a year to the time that I was in Havana, and my wife said, well, maybe we ought to wait till next year. I said, see, something told me to go this year because we wouldn't have been able to make that trip if we would have mm-hmm. waited that year. So, uh, you know, it, and I, my interest is that, you know, I go to different places and I see different foods and different customs, different architecture. Uh, the world is such a wonderful place if uh, you have the exposure. Most of us don't have the exposure or can't afford that exposure. So I'm very blessed. I'm very fortunate. I worked for an airline for 20 years. I had free travel there. I've been, like I said, ever since that, I've owned a business. I sold some, I uh, was at specialties and T-shirts, jackets, caps with different uh, insignias, logos. So that was a, a period of time that took me to mega corporations all over the United States. I've been in every state in the United States at size 10. On 40 of the 50 states I've been in. So, Sylvester, how can people contact you? You can uh, you can contact me, or you can, if you want, would like to buy my book, The Road to Money, uh, at boydbooks.net. Boyd, B-O-Y-D, books, B-O-O-K-S, dot net. If you'd like to buy the book, you can we can send you a book out. If you do that, matter of fact, it'll come directly to me, and I can autograph it and get it back out to you. Sylvester, all the way in the USA. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your time, Nigel, and it's been a pleasure being on your program. Please like the podcast and subscribe to this channel. Thank you.
Looking for Love is a documentary that explores black relationships in the UK, seeking answers to difficult questions, transforming the way we think about love and relationships. You know, 50% of couples who marry this year will get divorced. Looking for Love, from the award-winning director Menelik Shabazz, is finally available on DVD. If I had been to a counsellor or been to a therapist, I would have dealt with a lot of those issues a lot quicker. Get yours today from lookingforlovefilm.com. Thank you for listening. Please join me for another In Conversations podcast very soon for more interesting and entertaining discussions. Stay safe. Please like the podcast and subscribe to this channel. Thank you. Please like the podcast and subscribe to this channel. Thank you.